This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, giving you the opportunity to get involved and make your community a better place for seniors. Find out more at carp.ca. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross for Libby Snymer. Could Toronto be one of the loneliest cities in Canada? A new report finds four in ten are lonely at least three days a week. And one retiree's cautionary tale about her not-so-golden, golden years. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. An influenza epidemic has been declared in Puerto Rico as health officials say they've been seeing nearly six times more cases so far this year compared with the same period last year. Almost 26,000 cases have been reported since July, with 42 deaths and more than 900 hospitalizations on the island of 3.2 million. Health officials said there were plenty of vaccines, tests and treatments available on the island. In two new studies, experimental drugs for cholesterol show revolutionary promise. Both target people born with a genetic predisposition to high cholesterol. While drugs like statins as well as diet and exercise can help those manage cholesterol, they can't change the underlying genetic cause. This groundbreaking research presented recently found the two new approaches work in different ways, but with a singular mission— go after the genes responsible for raising cholesterol that increases the risk for heart attack and stroke. Neither treatment had ever been tested in humans before, and both will need years of additional research before they'll be considered for approval. Still, experts are impressed with the results. American life expectancy has crashed to its lowest level since 1996. Life expectancy in 2021 was 76.4 years. That's the lowest in 25 years. By comparison, just two years prior in 2019, it was 78.8. And before that, life expectancy had been rising. A child born in 2014 was thought to live to 78.9 years. COVID, though, was the third leading cause of death in 2021 for the second year in a row behind heart disease and cancer, which continue to hold the top spots as the most common causes of death. Meantime, almost a quarter of the world's population will be considered obese in less than 30 years, according to new research, and one in eight, rather than today's one in 11, are expected to develop type 2 diabetes. Unhappy with your children living at your home? The Indian state of Uttar Pradesh may give seniors the right to legally evict their kids or anyone living in their house if they're not happy with them or not getting paid. A proposal to amend the state rules under Welfare of Parents and Senior Citizens Act has been sent to the state cabinet. Under existing rules for the welfare of senior citizens, there are tribunals, but that could take a long time to address any complaints by a senior for children who refuse to pay a preset amount. The new rules will give the rights to seniors to forcibly evict their children or relatives from their property. I speak of peace because of the new face of war. Total war makes no sense. 
Sixty years after his assassination, a John F. Kennedy auction is evoking memories of the slain president's last ride in Dallas. History buffs and collectors will be able to find hundreds of rare JFK relics up for bidding starting tomorrow through Heritage Auctions. Items include a photo of the president and his wife in their limousine after landing at the Dallas Love Field on that fateful day in November 22, 1963. Other lots feature JFK's leather satchel, cufflinks, a wristwatch, along with a business card once belonging to the then-senator from Massachusetts. Interest in the 35th president still remains high six decades later. I'm Christine Ross, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Toronto could be one of the loneliest cities in Canada. A new report on the quality of life in this city paints a grim picture. Released this week... The Vital Signs Report by the Toronto Foundation finds residents more lonely, struggling more with mental health and less civically engaged. We reached Foundation CEO Sharon Avery about the findings and how to remedy the problem. What has been the most surprising result from this rather dire report? I think uh, if I start on the dire side, I think the most surprising thing that came up for us was the loneliness statistics uh, for Toronto. You know, we are one of the loneliest cities in the country. And uh, according to the data, 925,000 Torontonians report feeling lonely at least three to four days in the last week. And so I think that caught us by surprise because I think everyone had hoped this vital science report, we've been doing this for 20 years, would be kind of on kind of things moving in the better direction, uh, based on the fact that we're kind of out of lockdown. Yeah, well, the pandemic disrupted everyone's lives across the globe. But do you see this as continued fallout? And and why is Toronto seem worse than other cities? Well, I do see it as continued fallout, uh, for sure. I think it's a very long tail we're going to have with this pandemic. And why Toronto? I think Toronto has always also had um, the, the honor of being the most inequitable city in the country. So we've got all this wonderful diversity, but we have about 30% of our citizens living on a household income of $20,000 or less a year. And so um, people were struggling before the pandemic, and they're struggling even more now. You say you changed up this report this year. How so? Well, because we, you know, you seem to put out these reports and, and we're always raising the alarm. And, and I, you know, sitting with the team, we said we cannot continue raising alarms. We've got to create some kind of hope. And I think um, well, the other big difference with this report is we've actually overlaid a whole set of data we collected last year from Toronto around social connection and people's connections to each other, to their friends, to their neighbours. And uh, in doing that, in fact, we realised that social connection is actually the most important vital sign we have. And it's not, and we're not doing well. Um, but the good news is that we know that research shows that if our social connections improve, our quality of life improves. And so, uh, and as does the quality of life of our community. And so what's different about this report is that in each of our thematic areas, we've gone deep on social connection and we're showing people the way to get back involved in their communities. You also found that volunteerism is down. Seniors, they are a huge part of volunteerism. So what is that connection between volunteering and your state of mind? 
So I think there's a few connections here, um, and, and I'm so glad to be talking to this particular audience because this is an audience that has traditionally held up volunteering in Canada. But for the last decade, we've actually seen a pretty significant decrease in volunteering. In Toronto, the numbers are about a loss of about 300,000 volunteers. Um, and that affects the charitable sector in a huge way because they're often filling gaps that government can't fill. And we're seeing in the charitable sector, for example, a third of charities tapped into reserves in the last few years to maintain operations because the needs are so great. And so not only are they losing out on assets, we've lost donor, donation revenue has gone down, but then for volunteerism to go down, it's a double whammy. And so uh, we're really calling on Torontonians to get back involved in their city, to take an action, a civic, uh, an action of civic optimism. So with Christmas approaching, and now, you know, this week, word that food bank visits are hitting record levels, how do people navigate what can be a very lonely time of year for some? You do have a campaign that's underway. Tell me about that. We do. And so this campaign, and so that's the other difference with this report, we're launching a campaign along with it, because we we just couldn't launch a something so dark. And so we wanted some light and that is the power of us campaign. And what this campaign offers is entry points for any Torontonian of any age to actually re-engage and reconnect with their city. We've got an online um, set of tools on at torontofoundation.ca. We've uh, partnered with Volunteer Toronto. They've created um, all kinds of tools to help folks identify ways they might get back involved with their city. And most importantly, we've created a map of Toronto where you can actually pin. We're asking every Torontonian over the next 150 days to make a commitment to one act of civic optimism. That could be as simple as getting to know your neighbors. It could be more more um, involved, like, um, you know, starting to drive again for Meals on Wheels or volunteering at your local community center. It might be joining something, go back to singing in a choir or playing on a soccer team. Um, all of these acts, we're trying to to inspire Torontonians to map them on our map of the city um, and inspire others to get involved. Sharon Avery, thank you for this. Thank you for telling the story. And I hope that folks on Zoomer, your listeners, and uh, the folks in, at the radio station consider uh, joining our campaign. That was Toronto Foundation CEO Sharon Avery. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a cautionary tale about retirement. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, fighting for financial security for our seniors. Find out more at carp.ca. Is it time to think of a 60-year career rather than 40? One recent Toronto retiree thinks yes, as it's been a less-than-dreamy passage to retirement than she planned. Author and journalist Catherine Bradbury is among the largest generation in Canadian history to move into retirement. In her just-published article, she spoke with dozens of experts on everything from finances to health and discovered that retiring in your early to mid-60s can be summed up in one increasingly terrifying word, longevity. So you've been retired now for one year? Just over a year, yep. And you say your golden years are not so golden. Why not? (laughs) 
Well, I was one of the massive rush of Canadians who retired during COVID. And um, I think people got used to a different kind of life, you, you know, not rushing from here to there, working at home and the thought of going back to that frenetic pace um, made a lot of people who were close to retirement decide not to retire. But as we all know, since COVID, interest rates have skyrocketed. The cost of everything has gone up and up. I, you know, became ferociously vigilant about my bills because my income had gone down so much. The little house on my gas bill kept getting smaller and smaller, meaning that I was consuming much less gas, but the bill kept getting higher and mm-hmm. higher. And to me, that was a perfect metaphor for everything that was going on. I called the gas company and they said, I know, it's the price of gas. And so that's kind of the surprise reality. So you've spoken to financial planning experts for this article. If a person was to retire this year, how much savings are they recommending to live comfortably given our extended lifespan? They're saying $1.7 million right now, or at least that's what Canadians feel they need whether or not that's factually true, but a survey of Canadians says 1.7 million. And that's not factoring into our longevity, which um, I I did a lot of research around. Mm -hmm. So we'll be the longest lived generation. And there's nothing new there. Every generation lives longer than the one that came before it. But in terms of retirement, the idea that you will have enough savings for possibly 50 more years if you retire at 60, don't know. Like, that's, that's, who's got that? Rather grim notion, but you write that some of us may be saving to fund that last decade of our life, whether it's, you know, in a home or with home care. Mm-hmm. So what can we do to the time between retirement and those last 10 years to make it more fulfilling? Well, one of the interesting things I found with this piece is that actually, I didn't talk to anybody who was retired in the in the true meaning of the word, you know, the root of retire is to withdraw, mm-hmm. to to dig in, to, to um, you know, basically become a bit of a hermit. And uh, not by design, but every person I spoke to had done nothing like that. So some people are working at paid jobs that are very different from the jobs they worked in, in management and leadership positions. One guy was working delivering flowers. Another bank manager was working at a funeral home. A lot of people do volunteer care work. And in fact, seniors are the bulk of the caregivers in Canada. Uh, You could value that free labor in the billions of dollars. And a lot of people are activists. You know, their inner rebel comes out and, um, and they they fight the the good fight for climate change and 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 human rights and and all those important things that they didn't have as much time to do when they worked full time. Yeah, you talk a lot about this approach, almost like cascading employment. So rather than just abruptly ending employment, it comes about in kind of a staged way. I wonder why there's not more of that though for companies offering this to older employees. Why isn't there? Mm-hmm. You know, that's such a good question. And I feel that if one thing could come out of this article, that could be the conversation that gets going. Um, and I don't think it even occurs to people who are retiring to ask that question. It didn't occur to me. The experts that I've spoken to said that they'd like to see retirement moved from, uh, you know, an abrupt end of work to a very gradual transition over two or three or five years from mostly working full-time to mostly working part-time. And uh, it, it has benefits for, for right across the boards. It has benefits for the economy 
right now we're 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 short a million jobs, a lot of them jobs that people on the up don't want to do, but that um, retired people might be more interested in. Um, it has benefits for the employer because instead of um, taking all that life experience and work experience and having the person who worked for you go and take it somewhere else, which a lot of people are doing, you keep it within your company if you transition them out. And it has a lot of benefit for the for the um, people who are leaving the workforce who, who don't want to leave abruptly, but who have this kind of black and white perspective. That's what we force on Canadian workers. It's either you're in or you're out. Catherine, here at Zoomer Media, the philosophy is is about aging to break down society's like prejudice against aging. But in your mm-hmm. research for this piece, you found many examples of prejudice against workers both under 65 and beyond that old standard retirement age. How do we break that down? Well, ageism, it's a, it's a big topic. So right now, there are about 8 million Canadians. You, you probably know these numbers are over 65 and there's a recent study that said that 63% of those Canadians feel that they've been the victims of ageism. And, and a lot of it's invisible ageism. People start to notice in their 50s or even their late 40s that they're not sent on training programs anymore, that they're passed over for certain kinds of promotions. Um, it's a conversation that doesn't happen out loud, but it's a silent conversation. And then it becomes self-fulfilling. Catherine, finally, you provide a, a cautionary tale about retirement. What would be your best piece of advice for people who are now pondering retirement this year? <laughs> well, I begin the piece by saying don't retire. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that it is time to start thinking of a 60-year career instead of a 41. And some people are horrified when I say that, you know, 60 years of work. But that doesn't mean that work has to be the same as it always has been. Just think of a productive life, a productive life for 60 years where in some way you're working, whether it's for free, whether it's for money, you're participating in society because you're going to live longer and you're going to live in better health and you're not going to um, end up in a... Victorian poorhouse, as I say, quite darkly. Catherine Bradbury, thanks so much for your insight. Thanks so much. Great to talk to you. That was retired Toronto author and journalist Catherine Bradbury. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross for Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy. Christine Ross and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.